I've been utterly tortured by trying to learn certain tricks days and days, weeks years. sometimes, sometimes years. That disappointment that you feel when you leave after not doing yeah. it, there are definitely times when it, it means everything. It's like, how could, how could I have not done that? How could that not have worked? And, and that is hard. Um, but like he said, better than not doing it. Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Tom Brady, and Babe Ruth, the unquestioned goats or greatest of all time of their respective sports. One more name to be added to that list, today's guest, Tony Hawk. Never before has a single athlete become so intertwined with the sport they dominated, but in the case of Tony, his enormously high profile is obvious. Not only did he become the winningest skater of all time in various competitions and tournaments, but he nearly invented the sport. From his childhood days gliding through empty swimming pools in Southern California, to inventing a countless number of new tricks like the 900, to gracing the cover of one of the best-selling video games in history, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. But his success on the board has come at an extreme cost. Not only was Tony eager to discuss the broken femur he sustained while riding last year, in his 50s no less, we also discussed lighter encounters with medicine, like him making enemies with his local urgent care physician as a teenager. And just like in the game, Tony Hawk's American Wasteland, we've also unlocked Jason Ellis, pro skater, MMA fighter, and now co-host of Tony's new podcast, Hawk vs. Wolf. Together, these two skate veterans invited me to their new podcast studio in New York City and opened up about the harsh reality of life as professional skaters, especially when it comes to damaging their bodies over and over and over. Okay, so we're obviously at my home base, and I don't mean the studio. We're yeah, we apologize coast. for. Uh, I'm not sorry. Trying about to it. take over your <laughs> I apologize. This is amazing. I yeah, get to podcast. take over your studio, yeah. but yeah, you're technically, welcome. Yeah, welcome to your show. <laughs> That's yeah. actually a good way to do it. Yeah, thank yeah. you for welcoming me to hey, the show. We're here. Yeah, this for is, you. This is the checkup podcast, yeah. and you guys are here for the checkup. Okay. So I know my patient to my right has a complaint of a, a sore throat, losing the voice. Uh, yeah, I I tend to lose my voice quite a bit, and I've just always written it off to allergies. But I do remember my mom through all my years constantly clearing her throat, and I re realized at some point like, oh, that's me. And your hack is tea? Um, for podcasts, yes. Okay, why podcasts? Tea. Not in real life? Uh, because I don't, I'm not generally talking this much. True. Consistently. I mean, you're letting the mood In full disclosure, talking. we're doing four of these today. Ooh. So I know I'm going to be struggling at some point. Mm -hmm. And so this is what's helping that <laughs> okay. temporarily. And what's the tea of choice? Uh, this one is just peppermint with a lot, a lot of honey. Mm. Peppermint's the wrong choice. It is? Haha. <laughs> yeah. Shit. You don't know what you're doing, dude. Why didn't I consult you before I? Yeah, so the did peppermint it. is actually irritating. Yep. To it's anything it worse that's inflamed. And you keep making yeah. it worse over and over again <laughs> through four shows. Somebody get this that's guy why we're here. chamomile. That's why we're here. ASAP. Yes, what is what right, is? I'm right, aren't I? Chamomile, chamomile lavender. It's hard not to bring up that I know as much as the doctor. <laughs> I know it just started, but chamomile. No, but like some of the foods that we say for people who have acid reflux to not eat or to avoid are acidic foods, alcohol, caffeinated products, but then peppermint. Mm. Okay. Specifically peppermint. My issue, caffeinated product, I just feel like I'm so indebted to caffeine at this point in my mm -hmm. life. How would I pull that back? Well, do you know why caffeine is a problem for those who are having acid issues? No. It's because your body secretes more acid when you consume caffeine. So it's a secretion product 
of drinking caffeine. Now, I'm not what do you saying- mean, if, I, if, if I just, if I quit caffeine, I would get headaches for sure. Well, that would be a short-term issue. That would go away really quickly. In fact, like, you know, some people build up a tolerance to caffeine so that even when they drink it, they don't get a high from it. If you take like two days off from caffeine, on the third day, you'll get a kick from it. So you, you, you okay. lose that tolerance really quickly when it comes to caffeine. All right, I'll try. And surprisingly, caffeine's the number one studied sports performance enhancing drug. The number one. And backed by science that it actually works. You saw or approved that though. They did. Yeah. I, yeah. I but I think there's pull, limits. But yeah, I, no, I try uh, to pull back. Yeah, I think there's limits. No way. Yeah, you, you can't you have can, too much caffeine. Yeah, in yeah absolutely. I, no, I when I'm like if I'm going to the ramp, I'll yeah. I'll make sure that I tone it down. Because I get too hyped. Oh, and wow. I guess start to get ahead of myself and I make mistakes. Like I've definitely experienced that enough times in my life where I was hyped up on coffee or soda or whatever. Yeah. And then I can't skate. Oh, wow. Do your kids drink caffeinated products? Um, uh, yes, but not, not, not like you, not like me. Yeah. Well, the reason I bring it up is there was some controversy with Logan Paul's and KSI's prime energy drink mm. recently where the FDA apparently is taking a look at them because they have 200 milligrams of caffeine in their energy drink. And it says on the can, don't drink if you're under 18, but who's their audience? Right. Yeah. Those under 18. And 200 milligrams is six times the amount of caffeine that's in a Coke. Yeah. It's like six cans of Coke or two Red Bulls. Wow. So kids are getting, and then the parents are also at fault here because they're not checking. But then also then the kids drink it, they get all hyper. It's like this And the parents yell at them. It's this generation's jolt. Yes. Yeah. What was jolt? I assume it's a caffeinated <laughs> product. <laughs> it, jolt was, a, was like a soda, but had, a ton I don't know, double or triple the caffeine. Yeah. Wow. It was but before it, Red Bull, right? Before, wait, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like late 80s, early 90s, maybe? If it's 200 mil, how many, what'd you say? 200 milligrams, yeah. 200 per milligrams. Can. can that cause like a heart problem with a kid? Oh, yeah, for sure. It can create palpitations. How? You know that the, for an adult, the recommended max intake of caffeine is 400 milligrams? So a just day. two. Yeah, the two, you're there. <clears throat> and like as a society, we're already over caffeinated and we yeah. don't respect sleep. So like, oh, man. And then people are having this at night to game or to get a workout in. Yeah. And then they have a pre-workout with it. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like that stuff is more like a, I enjoy the feeling, but like to wake up and do stuff, like... Uh, I just use the I just, fear. Yeah, <laughs> the fear of failure always energizes me. Okay. Yeah. But waking up and not having coffee, I mean, I guess I could do decaf, but that would be really hard for me. And even decaf has a little bit of caffeine in it. Uh. Like, just how non-alcoholic beer has a little bit of alcohol in it. All right. Doesn't tea have a lot of caffeine in it? Um, I wouldn't say a lot, but more black tea. No, not more than coffee. Oh. Less than coffee. Okay. Black tea uh, probably has the most, and then green tea second. But then the other ones, like the chamomiles, lavenders, those are non-caffeinated. Right. The herbal teas are not. That's why those would be good choices okay. for uh, your throat. Okay. And paired with honey. Honey is uh, actually a great medication for uh, sore throat and cough. The American Academy of Pediatrics <clears throat> recommends honey for kids over the age of two for nighttime cough. It actually works as good as the over-the-counter cough suppressants. A little better for you, right? Yeah. So pretty okay. wild. Bees made it, so you know it's good. <laughs> okay. All right, so now we're, we cure All right, thank you. your, your throat situation. Am I done? Uh, yeah, I, got, I think I you tore my meniscus, and I'm...
Blood. Oh, okay. At yeah. the same time. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> it happens. I'm a thrill seeker. I like how you just combine the two as if it's just well, one. He said, what's wrong? But these are different <laughs> bodies. I get it, I, but it, it did sound like it just rolled off like it was one sentence. It's what's happening right now. <laughs> okay. Right now? Yeah. Actively bleeding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I like, had a Red Bull the other day and it made my stomach hurt. And then uh, a little bit of blood and then a little bit more today. Not as bad as yesterday, but mm. it wasn't good. But I figured hemorrhoids, you know, it happens. Mm. That's internal hemorrhoids, right? Well, it could be external too, but what I would recommend is that you get that checked out. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah, because you're of the <laughs> yeah, age where you're at a risk for more serious conditions that could potentially uh, cause bleeding. Like what? Like colon cancer. I already got checked the other day for that. The other day? Yeah. What's the other day? Like six months, a year ago. But when did the bleeding start? <laughs> I've, had, I've been bleeding from the butt for years. How did you know this about your friend? No, uh, I I, left I knew one that he was at risk of that with his um, <laughs> it's activities. It's not from getting. I didn't. <laughs> it might be. From it's not getting, a fisher. Yeah. Nah, I've had, those hem, too. But, uh, <laughs> I've had but those two. But I've had those two. But they a, hurt. What? Well, yeah, they hurt a lot. Yeah. And uh, external hemorrhoids hurt. Internal. Yeah, I got those too. Yeah. So how do you know which is the issue right now? I because my outside ones don't hurt. And there's a little bit of blood in my stool. Probably should have said it that way the first time. But um, it just happens from time to time. I feel like I'm on the road. I'm getting worn out. Mm. I don't sleep as much. And uh, my stomach's upset from something I ate when I first got here. Because I could You tell. don't respect sleep? Yeah. I want to respect it. I'm just not really, like, getting the time to do that, you know? That's fair. Like, I did comedy last night. And when I got to the hotel, I went to bed. But then I got up early to come here, and that's, like, tough to you know? That happens. I find it ironic that the lower end of your GI is upset and the upper end of his GI is upset. You guys are like a true team. Right. Yeah, that happens. We compliment each other. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Clearly, your guys' bodies are struggling now. Yeah. But I'm curious, in your years being professional skaters, what has been the injury that sticks out? Maybe not even pain-wise, but in terms of recovery, stress, mental anguish. Uh, well, I broke my femur last year. That was definitely the, the longest road to recovery mm. and the most sideways, <laughs> literally sideways, because I, <clears throat> I had a non-union fracture because I got back on my skateboard too soon. And then I had to have it reset um, realigned mm. about eight months later. Um, and that was in November. Now I'm good to go. Um, but I will say that I did have a concussion that lasted, the, the f effects of it lasted for a couple weeks. And that was the first time where I truly felt like, oh, this is a problem. And it was be way before any studies or what it was all, you know, back then it was like, oh, I got a concussion. Well, wake him up every two hours. Wow. That was the protocol. Um, and those I, were the days. Yeah, I had one where I was I, I was actually <clears throat> editing a video, I remember, and I remember looking at the screen like I don't I don't even know how to do this. Like this wow. makes no sense. So complete disconnect. Um, not disconnect. It was just more like confusion. Yeah. It was more it was more that I knew I was foggy and I mean I knew where I was and what I was doing, but I was foggy enough where I was like, I can't function properly to mm -hmm. do this. And like I a cognitive never had impairment. one. I had never had one that that lingered. Do you still feel the effects of it right now? No. Maybe not that specific concussion, no. but in general. 
No. So you feel sharp, memory's good, headaches, nothing like that, visual changes? No. Wow, okay. So you don't have a, a real worry of CTE? I, well, of course it's always, um, you know, but I definitely compartmentalize that worry and <laughs> okay. set it aside because I, I love what I do so much. And I mean, I'm very aware of the risks now, obviously with studies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And also I'm not doing the kind of tricks that are putting me or, or that, are, that are making me more prone to more concussions. Sure. I mean, anything can happen. <laughs> I get it. But he knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. But so knowing what you know now with this new research of head injuries, yeah. do you still take up skateboarding if you were to start today? Um, <laughs> if I were to start today... If I were to start today and feel the... I mean, you're young. Like, I'm oh. making you... Yeah. What age oh, did you start? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Teen, early teens. Yeah. Yeah. Ten. So you're yeah. ten right now. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know the research. No you're still starting. Sure, but I mean, when you're ten, and people are telling you about lifelong issues, you're not listening. You're not to taking that. it seriously. Are you? Yeah. I remember my parents I mean, saying when I got my first tattoo, I was going to regret it. They were wrong. You know. So you don't regret it? Not at all. First one was Metallica, and they were like, "You're gonna regret that." I was like, "Those guys are awesome." That's like my and they favorite. They still are. I still love them. Yeah. Okay, so, but I'm saying, as you're saying, as a ten year old, you wouldn't know about the research, or you wouldn't care about the ramifications. But I you're think, making the okay, decision for yourself as a ten. Let's put it this way: as as a ten year old, if I if if there were these studies and there was this information, and my parents still allowed me to do it, which mm -hmm. they would have, because they were just happy to get me out of the house and keep me busy. Um, I would probably be more scared in that moment of my first concussion. Mm. Whereas my first concussion was just confusing. And I woke, up, I woke up somewhere else. Isn't part of your <clears throat> skill set and success in skateboarding your fearlessness? I suppose, but I, you know, it's all calculated risk. Like I, I never went at something thinking, I hope this works out. I did. He did, for sure. He, yeah. But I was always very much like, I have all the pieces to this puzzle. Mm. I just have to put them all together Got and it. commit to it. Um, so I was never one to just fly in the face of, of, sure. of risk or, or um, not give any concern for consequence. But I knew that it could happen. And you had your father by your side. Yeah. What and, was and, but, but, you know, he was, he was a, my dad was older when I was born. Mm -hmm. He was a, a child of the mm -hmm. Depression it was a whole different set of rules and parenting back then. Was it rub some dirt in it <clears throat> mentality? I mean, it, was not, it wasn't like toughen up, but it was more like, I mean, I remember seeing my dad get like crazy, ga he, he did a lot of woodwork and did crazy gashes, just like, meh, just annoyed by it. And mm. that was the first thing was like, oh, that's what happens when you get hurt. Mm. It's just annoying. Sure. And so when it happened to me, it was like, oh yeah, this is annoying. Um, but, but, there were concerns because I, I had a string of injuries early on. I was like 11 because the pads were terrible too. Yeah. So the pad, you know, you had pads were mandatory in the skate parks. Oh really? Yeah. Who checked that? You had to go through a, a whole, you, I mean, there were private facilities. So you okay. had to pay to get in. Got it. They're checking to make sure you're wearing all this stuff. That was in my day. So for me, pads are just, were part of life and they're, mm -hmm. and you had to do it, but they were terrible. So, the first concussion I had, like the, the padding, the padding of my helmet was so soft and thin that the helmet actually cut, cut my, through. Oh my God. yeah, cut my brow in addition to the concussion. 
Jesus. So it was just a disaster. And, and that really didn't improve until a few years later. Was it the same? Like when I played soccer, you had to wear shin guards in high yeah. school. But then the, the guys that wanted to be quick wore these tiny shin guards. Oh, wow. Did they do the same? They, the, you couldn't really get away with that. I mean, the, the you type get of skating. You out. There's people watching you skate. But oh, it wasn't yeah. even yeah. that. It was more like you, you, the kind of skating we were doing, it was, it was what I was doing was empty swimming pools, right? It was mm. Dogtown and Z-Boys era. Yeah. We were trying to figure out how to get airborne. You can't survive that without sure. pads, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you don't know how to slide on your knees, you're not really going to be able to learn all these tricks. Mm -hmm. um, or, or, or survive. Or weather, yeah, or weather a hit to the head. But you had different feelings about wrist protectors and wrist guards. Um, well, at some point, <laughs> I mean, I, I, had, I wore them when I was a kid. Because my, oh, my dad saw me get hurt, and he's like, okay, you got to... He, he made me get rid of that helmet. I got it. Like a motocross helmet would be way safer to skate in, but if you skated with a motocross helmet, you would hard. slam twice as much because you can't see where you're going. Yeah. And a wrist guard is starting to get into that argument where it's going to cause me to fall off because, because of the I'm way missing, my hand I'm works. Missing those grabs, yeah. So it's like, okay, you know, I don't want to hurt my wrist, but I also want to grab my board. And if my hand slips and then I eat shit because my hand slipped, then maybe it would have been okay to hurt your wrist. But I remember the liberation of getting rid of wrist guards where it was like, oh, yeah, I can't, you know, and I had to overcome the idea that, well, you might, you might break your wrist. And it was yeah. like, it, it's worth it to be able to grab every single part of my board and yeah. not have, feel this plastic that's just getting in the way. And you had a strategy when you fell. Oh, sure. yeah. Yeah. What, what's that? Like, what's the ideal knees. strategy? Get to your knees. So slide on the knees slide as, as quick yeah. as possible. It's okay. bailing. There's bailing and then there's slamming. Yeah. Bailing is, is premeditated. Yeah. You take off, something goes wrong, kick your board away. Got it. Take, take a step for impact and then go to your knees. Yeah. Slamming is when you think everything's cool and then you're on the ground. Oof. Right. And you don't that, know what's going to happen. Those are the KOs. So basically, when you're bailing, you're doing like a form of parkour where you're like trying to you absorb to... the impact. <laughs> no. Why is that like a thing? Parkour. Like but no, but when they're jumping from high yes. heights, yeah, the and, and they're doing, they're the doing safety yeah. rolls and stuff. Yeah, but ours is, <laughs> ours are more just. To our knees. Sure. Is Are you not a parkour fan? You seem offended. No. Nah. Why? I don't want to get into it. <laughs> Each to their own, I guess. <laughs> okay, fair. But tell me about your worst injury then. Um, I don't. I don't uh, First of I all, mean, was I it skateboarding a... or was it fighting? Oh, skateboarding easily. 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 Wow. Fighting is like concussions and I don't know. Like, I guess I've stitches. I've broken my hand, but not. Not it's just not like I, it's, there's levels too. Like I'm a I'm a terrible fighter. Like I was a high level skateboarder, mm -hmm. and when, the better I got, the more dangerous I was. Mm. And when I was you know top ten, top five, the higher I got, the more I got hurt Fair. because the level was to be in a contest. I was trying to do stuff that I could barely do. And if it's in your contest ride. If it wasn't right, I still it. try to make it. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. So there was just a so time. So there, would there be things that you would try in a competition that you know you already failed in practice? Absolutely. Or that you've never maybe made or yeah. only made a couple times, but wow. that's the game time. I had a theory and for you commit to it. <laughs> I mean, I, there, but plenty of tricks have only been done in competition because that's that's when you have the, the most incentive. The crowd, the pressure. And, and also the adrenaline. Yeah. And, you, and you are willing to risk that big injury. Because that is the moment where it's going to matter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was very easy. It was too easy. 
Were you making that calculation on your own, or do you have a team around you when you do it? No, I just made <laughs> it. I don't know. <laughs> this is new to me. <laughs> you don't have friends? We around had an army of me. <laughs> yeah. yeah and they'd be not. like, you got it. Yeah, that's That yeah, was like, you team. had to, yeah. If you say, if he's almost making something, and I go, dude, no. Nobody's ever said that. Like, really? I, the worst I'll say is. Oh, yeah, we're going to encourage each other. Yeah. To, like, to, to the, the bitter death. end. Yeah. If we're putting it down, like the wheels touch and we're kind of off balance. Like, oh, you got it. Everybody says you got it. Yeah. I've done stuff where I, somebody was, I'm like, am I close? And I brought Danny, a friend of mine was like, dude, you got that. And then I made it. And when I got up on the deck, he was like, dude, I thought you had no chance. Yeah. That was crazy. But I didn't think that was weird. I was As like, a human, there have been feels- a few times. I will say I, a few times, especially in recent memory, where I have discouraged someone. Where I'm like, probably not that. Right, because they were nowhere near it. Yeah, and they were about to throw it down. Where it was right. just like, I, I don't think you have but the pieces to that. I think that's like an amateur. There's, there's people that are like, I'm going to drop in, and uh-huh. if you know, if you've seen them skate, you you know they're not going to make it. They're right. going to destroy themselves. That that is then you then you say, times. dude, sure. don't do it. Okay. But if you're a pro, pro and you're at a competition, and you're like putting it down, and I'm like, it's a 50-50. Yeah. Oh yeah, you got that. If yeah. it's okay. a fifty, because that's we also know that it's the mental. Like sometimes you can do stuff where you can't do it, but you just know you've got it and you make it. <laughs> wow. Like I a- have a funny story. I, I tried to give, I, I did finally get to it, but the trick that I broke my leg on was a McTwist. It's something that it's, it's, it is inherently dangerous, but I've done it thousands of times through my career since 1984. And I, I didn't have enough speed. I tried to adjust for that. I got tangled. My, I broke my leg. He was there. Um, but you're the bad luck charm. What? That's what he just did. He pointed at you. He said you were there. I was there. I'm always there. <laughs> yeah, he was, he also, and he was there for the one I made. Thank you. So, okay, sir. For for thousands that I made, but also, so but, but but coming back to that, coming back to that trick, yeah, was something that I was destined to do. I mean, there was no, there was like I almost hate that it meant that much to me, but mm-hmm. I had to, I had to get back to it. I had mm-hmm. to conquer it. And when I started really trying it, I was so fixated on. Getting the grab, I've, I've already, I've, I've kind of, I have this limitation now of, of getting my board, getting a hold of it in one position, which is the position I need for this trick mm-hmm. because of whatever has happened to my body. And I still have that and I'm trying to get through it. But so I'm so fixated on this grab that I don't, I'm not even considering all the other elements that I have to figure out, which is the speed of the spin, how much I pulled out from the wall. And I started getting a grab and I started thinking I'm getting close. And I asked Reese, who is 10 years old, who is a maestro skater, amazing. Like, okay. she is a, she's a phenom. And she does 540s. She does McTwist. Not the same, but yeah. Not the same, but, but uh, she's Different like, technique. oh, are you going to try to do it? I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to try She goes, I think you need to spin faster. Yeah. And I didn't consider that. And I was like, holy shit. Like, Reese is telling me to spin faster. I better spin faster. Yeah. And she was right. She was right, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I finally made it. It's a very supportive environment oh, yeah. that you guys are describing. It almost doesn't feel competitive. Because I feel like no, in other sports... there's a lot sports, of camaraderie. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, that, I think skating is, is very unique in that sense, that people compete, but it's art against art, and everyone wants to see each other succeed in, yep. in whatever they're trying to do. And so if you, go, like if you go to a skate park right now, there are children and grown-ass men and they're all skating together, and they're all encouraging. And if someone is trying something that they've never done before, everyone rallies around that. Wow. 
Because we know that we know what it feels like to make it, and we want you to feel that too. Mm -hmm. Like if you make it, I'm ha like he, his five that he did at the demo in Utah. I almost cried. Wow! Because I was that so was, happy. That was the first one I did. So I did one before in private. Yes. I, I did a McTwist. Finally got it back. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I, that. I did one at this exhibition in Utah a few weeks ago. Um, but the funny thing about that was that. I thought because I had finally made one that I could just throw it into a run and it would be a surprise. It would be like, oh, he did a twist. Oh, and then on to the next one. And it became my battle mm. very publicly, which I didn't want, but that became the drama and, um, and I made it, but it was. But it was also hard. when he started trying it, I know, I know that his leg's not the same and I know that that grab's not the same. And when he started trying it, I could tell that his leg is not the same and mm. it's a different 540, he has to do it higher. And it's it's more potentially dangerous. I have to do it higher because I spin slower. Yeah, because he yeah, can't ball up as much. Yeah. He's a little more open now. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that he'd already made one. So I was like, dude. And seeing the leg break and seeing him try to heal it over a year and then the bone moving away from his leg and going, dude, have you been skating with me for like six months with <laughs> a bone not attached to your leg? Cause it was and the femur. It's not like a little bone. I was there in the sad parts. Like I was there when he would go there and like try to skate and he couldn't skate and then he'd go behind the ramp and I'd see him sitting there by himself looking at his shoes and I'm like, I ain't going over there. Like I know, you know, he's going to sort it out by himself and then he'd come back up. And he's dark, you know, like we, we know, like, I'm not going to be like, hey, man, cheer up. You'll get like <laughs> when anyone's dark, you kind of let them sure. sort it out. Yeah. But I saw that for a year. Like there was times where he'd fall off and he couldn't get up off the ground to yeah. walk to the stairs. And I'm like, I'm not going to say anything, but <laughs> God, dude, like, what are we doing to each other? Yeah. And then to see him make it after having a second surgery, it was just like people don't. You know, when we're, we're when you're older and you skate and it's like if you hit your head again and we've hit our head so many times and we also, like he said, we know hitting your head is not healthy and we've got kids and and, what, and people that we care about that we, you know, that we would be sad if we don't know who they are anymore. Sure. So it's like a, it, when I was younger, I didn't care. I didn't know. We were just maniacs and we were like, you got it. Now it's like, this could be our last ride. Like every time I go now, there's... When you hit, there's a different feeling the next day where you're like, man, I sh maybe I need to get an MRI. Like, I think that like four or five times a year because my body has had so many injuries. When I hit things now, you know, my knee's like, dude, <laughs> do you know how many ligaments are left in here? Like, stop hitting me. And you, and you know it. You know you're, you're burning it. But that's the other, that's the other the camaraderie is like, I love this so much that I'm willing to hobble for the rest of my life yeah. to still do this. I think that sums it up. Yeah, I'm willing to. Do you think it. part of that camaraderie comes from the fact that you guys were actively building up the sport as well and you wanted the sport to succeed? No, I think it's what, no, I think it's what drove me to the sport in the first oh, place. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I felt, I, I felt like an outcast as a kid. I was like a skinny, nerdy kid. I, mm -hmm. I was okay at basketball, baseball, but not excelling. And, and when I found skating, I just found this band of misfits that were all passionate about this thing. And, yep. and yes, they were creating it from the ground up, but it wasn't even that aspect of it. It was just more like, oh, I, I can fit in here, mm -hmm. even though no one fits in. Yeah. So in 2016, when it became an Olympic sport, how did you guys feel about that? Good. Yeah, good. It was I a, mean, a positive yeah, thing. I, it was, it's kind of like, I never imagined that as a kid, nor did we even really aspire to that. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And then as you see it grow and you see it permeate mainstream culture and you see how inclusive it is and how it, it overcomes so many boundaries, uh, socioeconomic, racial, mm-hmm. age, gender. And it was like, yeah, this belongs in the Olympics more than many Olympic sports. Right. So why haven't they figured that out? But yeah. it wasn't like, it wasn't like that's our crowning achievement. Yeah. Got it. It was more like, that's cool. They, yeah. yeah, there was some. There's some hardcore out there that were like, "We don't need to be in that." And I think that was more of a, an attitude of we've been neglected our whole careers. Mm. So yeah. why now? Oh, yeah. now you can make money out of it, so you want to use yeah. it. But in the grand scheme, when you get older, it's like, is this going to build more people to skate? Yeah, yeah. and more yeah. skate parks. Yeah. True. So like, because yeah. that's, it saved me. And it saved all of it. All of us that skate have a story where skateboarding saved us. So if you build more skate parks around the whole world and youth today with, you know, phones and all that stuff, if they decide to do that, they're better off. The world is better off if everyone skates. There's a thriving skate scene in Uganda. Like that's that's the state of things. Well, because the barrier to entry is much lower than like a sport where you need a ton of equipment, football pads, helmets, all these things. Sure, but yeah. also just the, the the access to or the access to it. I mean, when we were younger, there were very very few skate parks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I got lucky that I I grew up near one of the last ones in the U.S. There were maybe three at the time. Wow. Um, so <clears throat> that's a big element to it. I know there's there's obviously a whole street skating element and whatnot. But when you're talking about places like Uganda and Ethiopia, street skating is not that accessible. So sure. they have created these facilities and people just. Thrive. Yeah, thrive and and really connect to it and congregate around it. So um, I think it's amazing. But but I've said it before, like, when this was all leading up to being included in the Olympics, I felt like um, they need our cool factor more than we need their validation. Mm. Wow. Do you know what I mean? We already have all these big events. There already are successful professional skateboarders. Skateboarding is already here to stay so to have it in the olympics is like sure but that's not necessary it it, it helps for the global growth for sure but without a doubt the olympics and the the coverage they need that youthful cool factor in their summer games like they got with snowboarding in the winter games yeah so they're, they're taking advantage but they're also giving something back we're okay with it. It's a give or take. I I don't have the answers. I just know that that's what I see from an outside perspective. It gives people a chance to compete for medals for their country. Yeah, Yeah. that's amazing. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's a good representation. You mentioned that skating saved you. What was the moment that you you were thinking when you said that? I mean, I I didn't have the greatest childhood. and and Like same with Tony, I just felt like a misfit, you know? Mm -hmm. And then skateboarding was something that was mine and nobody could take it from me. And I didn't need a coach or I didn't need a, I didn't need anything. I just needed my skateboard and my imagination. Mm -hmm. And I found people there that had that in common and accepted me for my passion of skateboarding. Like once you pay your dues, you're kind of in. And then that was it. It was something about, you can be by yourself for hours. And I don't think it happens to everybody. Like it could be bikes, could be rollerblading. I don't care what it is, but it bit me. You know, same with fighting. Like, you're not a fighter. You got into it, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're like, uh, what, you know what I mean? Like, what's up today, coach? Like, and then you do something good, and you think about it all day afterwards. Yeah. You're like, I can't believe I learned that. Skateboarding was the first thing that ever did that to me where 
I didn't think about my life or anything that had happened to me that I that I that didn't make me feel good about me. It was all I thought about was skating. So it was like in a constant meditation. That's how I can Yeah, have you guys heard of the concept of flow? Yeah. Yeah, that's what basically you're describing yeah. where you're constantly trying to achieve something that is achievable, yep. that is going to give you long-lasting passion, that you can practice, that you can be surrounded yep. by passion. those who love you, and that's what that's it is. That's what it is. But passion. it may, forces you to be present in the moment, yep. which we're very good at not being in the moment. Yeah. Whether we're worried about the future with anxiety or right. upset about something that happened in the past. It's a very lucky tool to get when you're young and nobody's offering any of those tools. Because that one to me was life-saving. Like I, and not only did it I became passionate, but I got better at it. And that gave me confidence to go out in the world and succeed. Cause I was like, you were terrible. <laughs> and then, you know, many years later of, of all that work that I didn't see as work because I was just enthralled with doing it. I, I became like an athlete. I was doing things where I was like, okay, that doesn't, you don't have to be a skateboarder that takes athleticism. And I wasn't an athlete as a kid. So that made me realize I just, I became an athlete just because I loved it. So that told me like, if I got into radio, if I got into fighting, just love it. If you love it, you can be good at it. You'll get better eventually. Yeah. Cause the human body adapts. Yeah. I, I remember having that conversation with my dad because when I finally, when I gave up little league, it was in the middle of the season and my dad had just been appointed the president of the little league, uh, chapter. Okay. Your dad's so awesome. Um, it feels like your dad was in charge of every sports organization. <laughs> he was very involved. Okay. He was very involved. Um, but when I, I do remember it through those times, whenever he picked me up at the skate park, I said, Oh, I, I think that was my best day ever skating. Cause I kept learning these little techniques. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know what? I hear you say that every single time, almost, almost like dismissing of it. Mm -hmm. And I said, cause it's true. I'm better today than I was yesterday. And all of that fed me, like, absolutely. But, but to talk about the flow state, I remember the feeling of landing my first trick that I ever created. That, like, that moment when I rode away, it was just this, this kind of silly little trick where I, I had to reach through my legs, grab my board, spin it around, but no one had done it. Yep. And I was only, I was, like, halfway up the bowl when I did it. But that feeling was like the dragon that I... Chased that I've been chasing. Ever and since. how long did that feeling stay with you? It's still there. Still there. Still yeah. There. Yeah. For sure. I still get. I mean, even even if I learn a trick that already has been done, but I haven't done it, I still feel like that. Wow. Yeah. He's doing it. The still. other day, he did. <laughs> like in the demo. He but did you're it. doing it too. Maybe not with skateboarding, hmm. but you just told me that you were doing some stand-up comedy, which yeah. is. Oh, it's the exact same thing. It's the exact same rules. Do you think it's worse to eat it on stage or to eat it on a, on a board? No, not even close. Which way? Uh, when you eat it on a skateboard, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> like the surge, it depends. If I get hurt, yeah. I'm, I've always, that's like one of my, I, I don't feel it as much as other people. Like if, it, if I hurt myself, I can shrug it off, sure. especially if it's in the heat of a contest or a demo. The I don't adrenaline's care. Going, I just don't yeah. care. Yeah. But if I have to get surgery, I, I'm an impatient person. So if I have to like be on the couch and take pain medicine and then get off the pain medicine and then do rehab, and then they're like, oh, that's not quite right. You have to do this or you have to do that. It, that I know that process so well that I, I fear it. Yeah. I hate it. 
And when you bomb in comedy, I'm an emotional guy. So yeah, it does hurt and I get sad for sure. But I wake up in the morning and I don't have to go to hospital. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was worse. I thought I was going to nah. say it emotionally it's worse. Nah, because it's, oh. it's like... It's, it's short a, term. If I sprain, if I like hit hard on the ground and just knock the crap out of me and I'm like, oh, you know I mean? Like, oh, I don't know which bit to grab. Like, no. I, you know I mean? I, I've just knocked everything off. That's bad. But it's kind of cool. Like afterwards, you know what I mean? I'll get up and be like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, I'm all right, I'm all right. And he'd be like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> it feels like I'm a, a warrior, you know? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll be all right. And then I get back up and keep going. The comedy thing stings longer, but that's what I'm – like when you hurt yourself, like really hurt yourself. Yeah. Like a year ago, process. I hit my head in Utah and I, I got knocked out and I drove my head into my shoulder. And I'm 50, man. Like I fell like 13 feet to the top of my head. Oh. And when I woke up, I was like, you know, I mean, you're all right. I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. But I'm like, I'm not. I'm in a fog, you know, and it's going to last a while. And I know it. And then because I'm 50, it's three months later, if I go like that, I'm like, ah. I'm like, man, 50, this is lasting way longer. And this is like a permanent thing. And it's like, do you want to go to the gym? I can't go to the gym. I landed on my head three <laughs> months ago. It's embarrassing. So when someone's like, you suck, I'm like, ooh. That hurts, but it's just like it emotional pain. It's just not as bad as, as... Wow, that's a powerful statement. Emotional pain is not as bad as physical pain? Okay, if you break my heart, that's, that hurts. Okay. That one, but that... So you're saying bombing on stage doesn't break your heart? It doesn't last as long. Okay. Like if you, get, if you bomb, it's like by the morning, by lunchtime the next day, I'm back. Fair. If you snap your MCL off... Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> That's a long. You know what I mean? Like just yeah, like the surgery, process. MRIs, and the and the rehab. I just rather... and that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. So there is emotional. emotional toll, right? I'd rather someone tell me I sucked every night for like <laughs> yeah. three months than that. <laughs> but you also mentioned uh, pain medications. Yeah. I'm curious if you guys had friends or maybe even had personal experiences with pain medicines, with addiction or anything like that. Yeah. Have you seen that happen in the sport? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Do you, any examples come to mind? Um, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been addicted to everything. I'm an addict. Mm -hmm. So I was always, I was an alcoholic and into like party drugs, coke and all that stuff. But painkiller, skateboarding, that's what skateboarding always saved me. Like I, as much as I would want to drink the next day, uh, there's a contest like you can't drink before the contest mm. you can drink after it which is not a good idea but it always same with the painkillers there'd be painkillers when i broke something and then you could go back and ask for more painkillers but if you give me more painkillers yeah i'm never gonna skate again so that just became a like which one do you want more and as much of an addict as i am i always wanted to skateboard I, more yeah the same like i i prioritized my skating and my skill set so much that it allowed me to not fall into that. And it was just more because I was either proud or obsessive or right. stubborn. That's how I got into smoking weed, though, because the painkillers, I broke my stuff off so much. When I was at a high level, it was like three times a year I'd go to the hospital mm -hmm. with a broken bone. And then they give me the painkillers. And then I started to notice that the painkillers made me angry, like really? temper tantrums. 
I threw my controller at a, at a TV and broke the TV and the controller. Playing pro skater? I, I, my girlfriend beat me at, mo at a motocross race oh, okay. on the TV and I threw the, I threw the remote and we were laughing. And then when she, I couldn't get back to pass her, I lost the race. <laughs> oh my. I was like, I could like through the thing and I was like, oh, that's, that's pain medicine. That's not me. Mm -hmm. And then someone was like, when you smoke weed, that'll numb it a little bit. So then I just would, if it was really sore, like if I really broke it, like compound or something, I'll take the pain meds. Mm -hmm. But I would never ask for a second bottle. I would always start to try to just smoke weed. And then you get, I get hurt. I got, he's way better than me. And, and you can tell by talking to him, calculated. Like I was like, I'm just going to try it anyway because I wasn't as good. I hadn't put as much effort. I was, it just was like, if you muscle it, you could, you could get away with it and you could take a shot. You'll be all right. Mm -hmm. And then when it got to the highest level, I was breaking stuff, getting knocked out, getting knocked out and walking, waking up with a broken bone. It started to affect. I was like getting scared. Like when I started to be in contests and I'd be like, you know what I really don't want to do today is – Wake up yeah. with a shattered hand, you know, yeah. like this is starting to freak me out. So it it it, it slowed me down on the uh, on the being crazy and just going for it thing. In the end, it kind of like made me timid, I think. Does skateboarding have any negative mental health implications? Do you ever get into dark times when you're not winning or you're injured? <sighs> yeah, but they're not as they're not as dark as what of to me, I don't know about him, but they're not as dark as they would have been if I didn't skate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been utterly tortured by trying to learn certain tricks where right. days and days, weeks years. sometimes, sometimes years. 900. That, yeah, I mean, that, that disappointment that you feel when you leave after not doing yeah. it, you do kind of get used to it, but it never goes away. No. It's, it's never just like, meh. But, and there are definitely times when it, it means everything it's like how could how could i have not done that how could that not have worked and, and that is hard um but like he said better than not doing it it's funny when skateboarders can't make something and they're really heartbroken about it mm -hmm. i feel like only skateboarders can understand that pain because i've had wives and girlfriends that are like it'll be okay. And I'm like, it, it won't be. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? And they're like, it's just a skateboard trick. And I'm like, it's not, <laughs> it's everything, you know? And if I can't make it, I'm a failure. But like I had to have a deep discussion with my wife about getting back to McTwist, the trick I got hurt yeah. on where, you know, she would, she would like to discourage me from doing that, but we had to come to some middle ground where it's like, look, I have to do this. It doesn't mean I'm going to keep doing it going forward but I, ha I have to get back to this and know that I'm capable of it. Was the concern physical or mental? Sure, physical. Yeah. Physical, that yeah. you would hurt yourself in that yeah. way. But it wasn't that you were coming home when you weren't doing it and you were angry or sad. No. No, no, no. no. The concern is that, because she knows that, you know, I, I broke my leg doing that trick. Yeah. Um, but uh, my hack for the whole thing was to have her there when I did it because I knew I wouldn't get hurt in front of her. Oh, interesting. Why is that? Aww. Why is that? Yeah. Because she'd be so mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> she, this whole injury thing, I was around, like when he got out of hospital, he was like, I want to do a podcast to talk about it. Uh -huh. So we set up well, in his house and she was there with this face. I know her really well too. And I love her. 
Like I respect her opinion of, of, of everything. And her face, she didn't say anything to me. Her face that we were there doing a podcast was like, you guys aren't talking about like trying to do that again, right? And I'm like, I'm not even, I didn't even do it. She's very pragmatic. It's not, it's not like that she's a buzzkill. She's No, just, she made, she had common just, sense. Yeah, she's, she's common rational. sense. Yeah. 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 And, and I was in a state of frenzy, like, I got to get back to this. Yeah. I got to tell everyone I'm okay. I, and I should not have been, that should not have been my approach. And, and so I should have heeded her warnings more for sure. Was therapy or sports psychology ever something part of your guy's arsenal? Not in the early days. We had no support. Really? I mean, you have to understand, like, skateboarding yeah. was the Wild West. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The tricks that we were doing, the, spin, the flips and things like that, there was, no, there was no training ground. There were no coaches. There was no foam pits yeah. or, you know, yeah. or safety mats. There were pools. There were pools. And you knocked your teeth out trying to figure this stuff out. Um, so when those things came into play, it was like, what is all this? Yeah. How we never imagined anything like this, you know, that, that a kid can learn to do a 540, 720, right. 900, 1080, whatever, and learn it safely. Yeah. I was jealous. Yeah. When it was it all more started of a happening. Thing. I was yeah. jealous of people yeah. that learned 540s into a resi pit. I was like, that's not fair. <laughs> but like, also, e even the, the mental health aspect, like, I went through really difficult times being considered the, the number one competitor. For, for so many years and, and consistently where it took this toll on me that I just, it sucked all the fun out of it for me. I, right. I really wow. was depressed and I was expected to go back. And, and I, Rodney Mullen just, just did this talk. Actually, you could look it up, but um, he, he has this whole thing about there was no second, third or fourth right. for us because only for us, him and Rodney. that was losing yeah. Yeah. because we of the saw expectation. It as that. Like, yeah, he's not wrong. But we it became did. that 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 projected expectation on us. We took it to heart, so we would both be like crushed if, and and you know we would be crushed if we performed well but only got second. Where that should be a happy day for anybody, and it, it really just like it was so strange because I, I'm living the dream, but it was a nightmare. So, what advice would you give back to yourself in that moment? Um, take a step back and, and enjoy the skating mm. and don't worry about your rankings and don't worry about every, I mean, it was, it was, it was, you had to accumulate points sure. through the series. So if you're not, if you're going to miss an event, good luck trying to keep yourself in the, in those rankings. So it was like every weekend or other weekend is this high intense pressure situation. And then on to the next one. Yeah, it's like this idea of irrational thought that all humans do. It's called cognitive distortions, where we label ourselves things that are not really accurate. Mm. So for example, if you constantly get first place at tournaments and then you get third, you're like, I'm a failure. But rationally speaking, that's not true. That's you get not first true, place. But, but there was a lot of noise and there was a lot of talk that was that. Really? Where yeah, it was oh yeah. like, oh, I remember thinking my attitude was not up to par because I'd be happy if I got third. Huh. And I remember thinking that's the loser's mentality. Like if you're like him where you like. But if, if I got third, the, the general discussion was he lost. Oh, yeah. I Is that because him one of time. your abilities and what you could accomplish or 
No, it they just were being becomes, unfair. You, you, it's not even that. It's just more that you've reached this level and this expectation. Yeah, that's what it and is. And mm -hmm. nothing else is acceptable yeah. in the eyes of the fans or the media or, or your sponsors. So you think it was outside influence more than what you were feeling? It was Man, both. the judges were unfair to him. Because he was so good, if he didn't beat him every contest, they, like if, you, if anybody else in the contest did his shitty ride, they would have won. But it was because of he, if he didn't do some trick at the end that no one's done wow. every contest. Yeah, I, had we to, I mean, at some point it. I had to hide new tricks from the judges. No way. So that yeah. there was an element of surprise. Because so they, they wouldn't would, give it, it to they him. They would get boosted. But it, beyond all that, it was more that it, it was just... <laughs> it, it was so unfortunate to be living that and being like, I don't even enjoy doing this. And th the reason I ever got into this is because I, I love it so much. So I actually pulled away from competition like cold turkey. And to bring back the joy. To bring back the yeah. joy. And that was my most creative time of my life in mm. terms of figuring out new tricks and enjoying what I was doing and, and allowing myself to fall and fail more and it kind of restructured my style. But then I came back to competing with a way more cavalier attitude where I was like, I don't, I don't care what happens. And I did well and I didn't do well, but it was way more enjoyable. Wow. So being less afraid to fail because you were chill about it allowed you to fail Have less. Fun. Fail less. Yeah, I did actually, yeah. Yeah, and, and be way more creative. It was like, whoa, what, what was that trick? Wow. Which made him even heavier because it was he'd already ruled for two <laughs> decades, and then he's got more, and I'm like, wait, really? Come on, dude. Like, he was you... just unlocking but, his but sports the irony psychology. Is, the irony is that when I did come back to competing, that's when skating started to take a dive. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, wait, what happened? Where? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn the lights back on. <laughs> I'm good at this again. <laughs> okay. And then I'm curious, so like obviously we talked about all these injuries and uh, the pain that you experienced both mental and physical. What were the experiences like with the healthcare system? Like I know you told me you would go to an urgent care and they said, we never want to see you here again. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, did, I went to an urgent care for stitches and um, I had gotten so many stitches from the same doctor because that was my default. I, I knew I could just swoop in and, mm -hmm. and uh, he said, there's no more skin left on your shin for me to pull over, so don't come back here again. Um, but my experience, I think, I think my experience was more that I, I learned to sort of have any recommendations of timelines mm. from doctors okay. because I knew they had to be, they had to err on the side of being conservative. conservative yeah. Right. So they're like, you're going to be out for three months. I was like, okay, I'm going to be out for a month and a half. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And, 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 but then sometimes learned, your bones didn't heal well. Yeah, well, one time. The, yeah, when I was 54, yes, that's Fair. what happened. But, okay. but in, the, in the earlier days, I did always uh, expedite those timelines mm. because, um, because getting what I learned kind of through my own process is getting back to it sooner and being active encouraged the healing more. Mm. Which is true. For like, I hope it's true. No, 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 it is true. So like we've updated our guidelines where before if someone had a low back strain or sciatica, we would say, oh, you should rest, bed rest. But now we say, no, 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 bed rest is not worse, ideal. Right. makes it right. worse, right. especially past like a day or two. Uh, you sprain an ankle these days, it's right away, get it moving as yeah. fast as possible. Maybe not weight bearing, but at least doing the alphabet and all yep. this mobility stuff. Because we see that 
if you lock in yeah. without movement, you don't heal as well. Yep. Less yeah. circulation, less blood flow, less range of motion. Then it's longer to rehab. So that makes sense. Yeah. You're when kind I, of ahead of the time. I, I broke my elbow uh, in 98 and it was so stiff. And then, then I finally just kind of went on my own, went back to skating, even though I didn't have the mobility of it. Yeah. But getting that back, it finally, I mean, I'll never forget feeling that click of it straightening again mm -hmm. because I skated. Wow. So you broke some scar tissue or a bone spur or something that was there? Yeah, I broke through something, but it was, it was because <laughs> I was being something. in motion. There also used yeah. to be a lot of times where they would tell you that you're never going to skate again. That used really? to happen. Yeah, I, heard my that shoulder one? came yeah, out a lot and they were like, you're never going to skate again. Wow. And I, I was like in my 20s. You know. And did you say BS or did, were you like crying? I cried because wow. I thought he was telling the truth. And then I would go skate anyway because I, you can't stop. Like I would just go anyway and be like, well, I'll see what I can do with one arm. And then eventually the arm, I tried to, there was a few times where I lifted weights because my theory was if I got a little more stronger, stronger yeah. then mm -hmm. it would hold it in better. Mm -hmm. And there were, there were times there where it came out a lot. You know, and I was like, okay, maybe he was right because it would come out in, if I just went like that, it would come out. And I'm like, that's bad. And I used to put it back in, like I started to get used to how to put it back in. And there were a few errors where, you know, that shoulder just, you had to, you had to watch it. But if I didn't, if it didn't come out for a year or two, I'd forget that I even had that injury that they told me I could never wow. skate again. Did a doctor ever tell you you will never skate again? No. They were always optimistic for you. Yeah, I, I guess I never had that sort of that injury. sort of injury where it was like, mm, I don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah. But also, I'm I'm so surrounded by people that that live in in right. with these injuries that, for instance, we were doing a show in New Jersey, super windy. It was outdoor, and the wind caught my board on my way in and flipped it, and I didn't realize it, and it made me just shoulder block into the flat from the top. And I felt like it was dislocated, but it was still there. Mm -hmm. And um, we're in the middle of a show, so I'm, I'm going back up the ramp. And then um, Dennis McCoy, who's this awesome BMX rider. Mm -hmm. Who's goes, broken everything. You, know, you separated your shoulder. What does that mean? He's like, oh, that's your, your, the, that, you see it hanging down right here. He goes, mm -hmm. he goes, oh yeah, I did that. Yeah, I go, well, what does that mean? He goes, not ah, nothing. <laughs> like, it'll, it'll heal. He'll tell you how long it'll take. Yeah, and then he told it. me, yeah. And yeah. so I went for, the, we were in the beginning of a six-week tour. I spent the next four weeks not using this arm during mm. shows. Wow. And then by the end of the tour, I had my mobility and my strength back, but now my shoulder drops. And you have some limited neck mobility, I see. Yeah, but that just, I just accept that. Is that from a specific <laughs> injury? No, it's just from just life. Of whiplash. Life. We call it a chicken neck. Yeah. Like if you shoot it's like out. the opposite of a text neck. It's the opposite yeah, of a text yeah, neck. Yeah. This. It's like yeah. one of these. Yeah. It's like a whip a car crash the whiplash Flash effect, yeah. yeah. All the time. I mean Yeah, but imagine imagine hundreds of I, them. I can't over imagine. Earth. But I think it's more that if, so you if this is if this is the summation of all these years of, of skating and all the joy mm -hmm. it's brought me and, and you know, unimaginable success that I have a stiff neck. Yeah. Cool. Small right. price to pay. Yeah. My, um, my final question is going to be about the video game. Were you involved in making the ratings for yourself in the video game? 
The ratings. Oh, you mean like the, the, the stats. stats? I did not. That is. A, uh, I not heard that really, one yet. but yeah. but they were pretty. Because right, I feel like he biased it, right? I no, think. If if, you, I think if, if the, you look at my stats, like my 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 flip is. It's low, honest. Like yeah. my ollie it's is. It's honest. Yeah, because it shows. Yeah, I like mean, if I got costing, good. I got good spin. I got good airtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because he does. Yeah. In the real world, Eric Costin is not going to go in the air as good as Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk. Yes, yeah, so if you're looking at Eric rail, Costin's like flip stats, his are up here. But did you have influence over it? I, I actually didn't. He didn't. Okay. No. The, the, How the much NeverSoft Neversoft chose all those. What about the game stats? itself? Like what? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah, like absolutely. what? What? What aspects? Um, of it? Tricks, locations. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, all the characters, skaters in it, uh, music. I think that's why it's so successful because I was around before it came out mm -hmm. and he was on it every day. And then if he found something or if somebody, one of us played with him that found something, he would call them immediately and go, wow. hey, there's this thing that you should change because it does this or it'd be better if it did that. Yeah, I, and just, I was like, man, this, I don't think everybody is that in on their Definitely game. Definitely not, like, yeah. He was trying like to beta make testing it, it as real for skateboarders as possible. But, but also I... I played video games my whole life, yeah, so I, I had that history and, and that experience. Do you still play? Um, some. I mean, I'm more like like I'm. You know, I'll race my daughter in Mario Kart stuff okay. like that. <laughs> um, I, I don't get deep into any um, other games really, besides ours when we're developing them. But you also have to understand that it was so renegade, like home home consoles had just come into play when mm -hmm. we developed our game. There were no skate games from, I don't know, the last one had been created for uh, Commodore 64, mm -hmm. you know? So there were no home skate games at all. So there was no, there was no bar that we were trying to reach in terms of, of a standard. And we had free reign because it hadn't been done and, and no one had great hopes for it. So it was great in the sense that I, I got to have all this input with the music and with location stuff because it was just kind of like, I don't know, we don't know, whatever it is, whatever it's cool. And then all I cared about was that a skater would see it and go, that, that game is legit. All right. And you've had some pretty fortunate timing. You released a game right when the consoles are coming into people's homes. Yeah. You released a VCR tape when everyone got VCRs in their home. Oh, yeah, with, uh, with the right? Brigade, yeah. So like that's yeah. some really good timing to create a, right. yeah. a tape with your face on the cover. And home then, video. Save my home video. Right? And then that 900 <laughs> around that time wasn't a bad move. Yep. In X yeah. Games. I, I mean, definitely there's, there's, a, there's some false narrative that I w was methodically planning all that. I wish that I had that much <laughs> yeah. foresight. Um, but uh, I got lucky that we were, we were in the final stages of making the game, um, and they were about to submit it to the console manufacturers. Once you do that, you can't change it mm -hmm. unless they say this sure. has to change. And when that happened, when I did 900, I had to try to get them to include it in the game. And they're like, we're in the last stages, but let's we'll get do it. it. Yeah. 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 It was a good idea. <laughs> it was, a it was a very good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That made all of us cool. I mean, he was a character in one of them. I was I, a hidden character, but yeah. still I, I remember because <laughs> I, all my other pro skateboarder buddies, cause it was so hot. If, if you're in the game, you're sure. at the elite of elite and I was good, but I'm not elite. And he put me in as a hidden character, and I'm friends with a lot of people that are arguably elite who aren't in it. And then we all sat around in one of their houses while I'm the character, and it was like, this is. 
bullshit. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's awesome. This is it's perks. Really, yeah, this makes perfect sense. You guys don't get it. Fair. But him doing the 900 and all that, the game and making more skateboarders, my one was if, if normal people asked me what I did for a living and I said that I was a pro skateboarder, people would say, oh, that's a job? And then when he did that, when people would ask me on the plane what I do, they'd be like, oh, wow, that's cool. Do you know Tony Hawk? Because it was a job. It's a real job. You are not faking it. You're not yeah. lying. Because I think a lot of people thought that I was making it up. It is a real job. Well, they, they, the, <laughs> the culture of it when it first started wasn't that it was a job, right? right. It, was a, it was a culture, lifestyle, street focus. So that makes sense. But that's where, that's where all the mentality of uh, keep going. If it hurts, you're fine. Because his peers... It's punk. Like they were, they were scared. Like first time I came to America, some of the older guys, the the Salba and Melba, that you probably don't know who they mm -hmm. are, but they're legends. And they rode like big concrete things, and they were just all about you know everybody. They they weren't nice to Groms and stuff. They were mean to like little kids. Yeah, they were not um, nurturing. Yeah. So <laughs> but if you grew up in that, like yeah. boy, did you pay some dues? Like I remember being you know twenty and skating a, a pool, and two of them showed up. And I'm a big guy. And I was like, oh, the yeah. Elba brothers, like, holy crap. Like, please don't hurt me. Like, I remember Jay Adams saying, hey, man. I'm like, really? You're not going to be mean? Like, like, I was so thrilled that they were being nice to me because I expected them to, to be like, what's up with your pat? You got brand new shoes on, douche. That, 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 that did exist. Oh, yeah. 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 But I, I showed up late. But just yeah. no. That's <laughs> I, was, I was there for the he height was, of okay. all that. He was there doing yeah. tricks. I got, I got bullied. Yeah, yeah. the most. Because yeah. he was doing something that skateboarders weren't doing. Yeah. It was older guys doing grinds and being badasses, drinking a beer afterwards. He's way underage, doesn't drink, and is like, I want to learn new yeah, tricks. Yeah, they call yeah. me a, a circus act. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is yeah. so, because a circus act now is what skateboarding is. Progression. Mm -hmm. And he was like one of the, it was, it's, him and Rodney are so the same. They ride different stuff, but their angle on skateboarding saved us. Cause how many, <laughs> I, I love pool grinds. I, I'm one of those guys that does big fundamentals. That's what I like. Mm -hmm. But the X games with a bunch of big fundamentals would be pretty boring. Like the progression now, like a girl did a 720 the other day. We're just, people are just doing stuff. So now. where is skateboarding going to be in 50 years? Yeah, who um, knows? I mean, what's your prediction? I, I, I think it will be on par with, with a lot of mainstream sports mm. in terms of kids choosing to do it as, as readily as they choose to play soccer or to play uh, baseball or basketball or whatever it is. And, and divide their time with it, too. I think that, that's been the shift in the last 20-plus years is that if you skated when we were kids, you only skated. Mm. You were defined as a skater. You were devoted to be skating, and, and only skaters appreciated what you did. Um, nowadays, you skate and multi-sport athletes. Multi-sport, do this oh. and 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 that's healthier. And that. and oh, that's it's healthier. It's, yeah. Yeah. Skateboarding as a whole is so much more accepting now than it's ever been. Yeah, like everybody, all walks, all styles. It used to be a little bit more. I don't like his style, so I don't like that person. Yeah, and now everybody does. Like '80s tricks were not cool in 2000, but now people like girl, everybody who's cool does tricks from. 1981 yeah, yeah, yeah. and people are like that is a sick eggplant and I remember because I took a gap I went to like radio uh -huh. and then I come back and it's like 
people do tricks from 1985 and the crowd goes, I'm like, wait, yeah. I can I can do those still. <laughs> am I okay? And it's like, hell yeah, you're okay. I'm like, I am? Awesome. So it's way more yeah. accepting of, of everything. Well, so then society owes you a huge thank you for making this a reality and, uh, oh, and growing you. it. So, And obviously thank you for both of your time and sharing your experiences. Cheers to skateboarding for the next 50 years. Hell yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks guys. If you enjoyed this conversation, I'd very much encourage you to listen to my appearance on Hawk vs. Wolf, Tony and Jason's podcast, where we dove into more detail about the complicated history of protective gear in skateboarding. Please give the show five stars and a positive review as it's the best way to help new listeners find this podcast. And as always, stay happy and healthy.